grateful today uh-huh. i feel light as well how are you feeling i feel present with how i'm showing up for the day hey that's what's up <laughs> thank you all for tuning in to another episode of soul affirmation with felicia and kariga with kariga and felicia and most importantly you the listener on the black love podcast network hey we out here. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. Um, it's a beautiful day. That's how Kamali's been saying it. Okay. But like, though today's beautiful, I can feel a lot of things. It doesn't make it any less beautiful. Okay. But it makes me have to, I feel like, work a little harder to observe the beauty. Hmm. What do you mean? Different thoughts, different feelings, uh, responsibilities. Uh, tending to my emotions uh, tending to what is grief mm. and if I'm if I'm honest I recognize that in this space we we unpack grief right mm-hmm. we examine it we co-investigate it but grief requires a lot of energy it it just requires a lot of energy. Absolutely. And I think that is what I could be also feeling. And it's like, I'm not trying to run away from it because I'm informed enough to know that there's no running away from it. Right. But in the same extent, it's like, if I choose to remain present, I am acknowledging that all the feelings, the energy, the fatigue, the emotion, and even the joy, all of it though. I just have to be willing to engage with all of that. And sometimes it's not very convenient. <laughs> Grief doesn't appear convenient. It, it, it has never felt convenient either. I acknowledge, but in a space where I have found so much love and grief, uh, so many other powerful knowings, those don't feel as inconvenient. Finding the love, finding the knowings doesn't feel as as inconvenient as does the emotion to find the love. Yes. The emotion to find the knowings the critical thinking to find them. They don't just appear. They're like always happening, mm-hmm. but you have to name it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. know it. Mm-hmm. And that requires energy. Even just what you were able to do right now with how you named the emotion of it. Um, because when I said that grief it can feel inconvenient, I meant that, right? Mm-hmm. The feeling of it. When you have the opportunity or the willingness to be present with it, then you're able to find so much more. But, I, I agree with you there, like that feeling, 
the early onset of that feeling or I don't know, like, I guess grief is not really like a linear experience, but um, there are, I think I'm able to identify it based on how I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because I'm so familiar with the identity of it and it's now become a part of who I am. Um, when I feel that now I'm welcoming it because I know what I'll find there or I know that I will find something. I get you. I get you. But if I didn't have that practice and I was spending my time trying to not feel the feelings, mm-hmm. I would for sure say grief is inconvenient. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think also how you find yourself in the grief. What is the invitation to the grief or what causes you to grieve? might also impact the type of energy it requires. So I think that in the instance of like, quote unquote, natural causes or uh, a gradual um, decline in health or something you might have to prepare yourself for, um, paperwork, you know, um, different type of care arrangements, that grief isn't any less... uh, heavy but it comes to you different or at least you think you have a chance to prepare for it different Mm, mm -hmm. i think that i'm able to identify part of the fatigue that i'm feeling also comes from the anger that i feel Mm. and when i have to like sit with anger and 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 see what it's coming to teach me that is an incredibly ass whooping process Mm. but i'm doing it because i know i can Mm. Not because I know I want to. Mm-hmm. And let me give you all context. I'm going to be talking very openly and in memory and hopefully finding some beacons of joy or highlights. But I am currently feeling the reality of losing a student. I am currently feeling the reality of those emotions and investigating it for like its most beautiful truths. Mm-hmm. Very recently in the district of Columbia, which has been just an unprecedented amount of gun violence. I know we can say that about a lot of cities, but trust me, DC and its size and the young people that are being affected are letting me know this is an irregular a very irregular summer. Mm-hmm. Recently, I experienced the passing, the phone call, the Instagram posts, the call from next of kin and mothers and sisters uh, to a young man named Troy from D.C. Now, Troy is special to me and will always be special to me. But I got a call from Troy's sister Uh, One, to share the news with me that I already heard through social media and his classmates. Mm -hmm. But to also ask me if I had any of Troy's poetry so they can include it in his celebration of life. Okay. I don't want to interrupt your thoughts. Go ahead. But I want you to take us to who Troy is. Let's go. Where did you meet Troy? What was that interaction like? How did you find out that he was a poet? Right. Like we yeah. now we, we didn't learn stuff about Troy and you're obviously still connected to him after all of these years. Yeah. But I want to know the early parts of the relationship that you and Troy had. Uh huh. So. 
when I became the dean of students at Maya Angelou Public Charter in D.C., so this is Northeast D.C., mm -hmm. uh, Maya Angelou sits on the corner of East Capitol and let's say like 57th, right? So I'm giving you all a, I'm painting the picture for you. What's the metro station that's right there? Capitol Heights. Okay. Okay, so we ride up the street from Capitol Heights Metro Station, ride up the street from Marvin Gaye Rec Center, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where we are in D.C. And this D.C. for me, um, in a lot of my literature, in a lot of my writing, you'll hear me refer to the corner of hope and hopelessness. Right. That is this school. That is where it is situated. And that is what I experienced while being the dean of students there. So I call it the corner of hope and hopelessness because there was so much hope, because there was so much talent, because there was so much vibrant in life in the young people. But the circumstances they faced were very hopeless. The reality of the violence they faced was hopeless. Yeah, the, the designed poverty at the time was hopelessness. But in that setting is a beam of light named Troy. I got to know Troy because of his, get this, it was his rather stoic presentation of emotions that led us to meet. Hmm. Yeah, he treated no day different than the other. Um, <laughs> joy or consequence, there was no emotional response from Troy to his teachers, mm -hmm. which would get teachers more frustrated with somebody as talented as Troy because he showed no emotion to the consequence. <laughs> and they would call the dean, right, of course, to either get the student or they'll send the student to me. Mm. Okay. So I meet Troy in this presentation of like brilliance, but just stoic. <laughs> and to get to know him better is to realize he was just always reading the room, reading the situation. What does brilliance look like with someone who is stoic? When he gives responses, they're so clear and so succinct. Okay. That it can really frustrate adults. <laughs> someone who is not nodding while you're speaking. Right? Mm. Is not engaged. Body language is just rather slumped and reserved. And if you decide to like, <laughs> if you decide to get smart first, well then, <laughs> well then you, you called for it. But Troy was incredibly like bright in his responses, succinct in his responses, can tell you why he's doing what he's doing sometimes, not always. But we meet at Maya Angelou Public Charter and I was just watching Troy's footage. You'll find Troy as the very first voice of my first album, Surrender. Mm. Troy opens the album. And this work was designed to be a poetic ethnography. So after I was teaching special education and dealing with students who had a number of diagnoses, most of them were Call, it was called ED at the time, emotional disturbance, mm -hmm. which is just absolutely absurd to me that that can be a, a classifiable disability insofar as we all get emotionally disturbed. Like that's what emotions can do. They can disturb you. Yeah, especially right? considering a circumstance that you've been placed in. I mean, to not have any emotional response to it is just so yeah. fascinating. But. Legit though. So after I was teaching in DC and it took a toll on me, because I would see the empty liquor bottles on the way to and from work. I would see the teddy bears tied to the 
the lamppost or the street light or the electrical wire. Mm-hmm. I would see these shrines, these memorials, these spaces of grieving. And I remember one time I pulled over. I wanted to understand what I was seeing closer. And I saw the date of the shirt. And it was set as sunrise and sunset. And at the time, they were only like 13 years or 14 years apart. And I couldn't believe that the more I started to pay attention to these memorial sites, they were younger and younger and younger. Many of them weren't 18. So as I'm experiencing the hopelessness of the circumstances, students like Troy are my hope. They give me hope because I see their critical thinking as evidence that they are desiring survival. They are desiring a life that thrives. I'm able to see their processing of their realities and I'm able to see evidence of their wanting better. Mm -hmm. And when Troy felt listened to, that's when he spoke the most. Mm -hmm. So I find out from his homies that Troy he do his thing outside of school, right? He spit. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we I got to know more. I'm watching Surrender, the story of Rhythm Restoring Hope. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put this work available for folks too. But I'm watching Troy. And this is what Troy says in the documentary. He says, "Uh, well, you know me and Bailey. This is what they call me. <laughs> we go back, you know. Well, not like that far back, but, you know, he found out I was like a poet, a rapper and things. So, you know. He started like paying attention to me and he's like, you know, I, I seen him grow. He seen me grow. That's my favorite thing. He says, <laughs> I seen him grow. He sees me grow. And he's not lying. This 17 year old oh. student wasn't lying. He watched me grow. He watched me grow in my understanding of their circumstance. Uh-huh. He watched me grow in my geographic awareness mm-hmm. of what his life is like and what neighborhoods he got to pass through and, and what that whole experience can be like when you're coming from one side of town, going to school on another side of town. Wow. He watched me grow my understanding of who the players were in the school and what, the, and what was going down. He watched me grow in trust with the young people and how they found me trustworthy and how they would speak to me and speak into me and let me speak into them. Mm. And he also watched me grow as an MC. Hmm. Right. That year of creative writing when I was teaching that after school enrichment it was therapeutic for me as well. It was a space to process real time with the young people, a space mm-hmm. to process my emotions or my understanding or my lack of understanding by which they could tell. Mm-hmm. But when he says he's seen me grow, I seen him grow. Like, I just want to fully acknowledge that truth and rest in that truth. Mm-hmm. Troy did see me grow. And I think we ought to let young people see us grow. Mm-hmm. teachers, deans, parents, whoever you are in a young person's life, they should also be able to see your growth. Yeah, The relationship should be transparent enough for them to see your growth. Mm-hmm. Not that you always have it mm-hmm. or appear to have it, but like, what does it look like to be challenged and to regroup? Cause he saw me do that a number of times, right? He saw me break up fights. He saw me run down the street. He saw me everywhere <laughs> until ultimately like he saw me outside of school. So our lives had to intertwine outside of school because of the creative nature of our bond. So we started doing a lot more bus boys and poets together, right? Or taking different poetry spaces. Okay. Or bringing uh, different poets to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember at a time we were supposed to be meeting Black Ice 
uh, the poet, shout out Black Ice, but Black Ice was coming to D.C. And we were all a fan of his work. Or I introduced students to his work. It's like, yo, this is somebody who I learned from, somebody who I look up to. So Troy and I spent a lot of time together just deepening our understanding of life. Mm-hmm. And I listened to his intro to the album. And I very much want to also say again that he's seen me grow. The way this 17-year-old could write. (laughs) I don't want to misquote him, but he says, um, the potential to be a scholar but a robber behind masks and closed curtains. Unpredictable in nature, his emotions won't surface. Mm -hmm. He just understands that his world ain't perfect. He's talking about himself mm-hmm. so openly, so matter-of-factly. When that first descriptor, unpredictable in nature, his emotions weren't surfaced. If anybody would have been listening, any of his teachers would have heard that, they would have understood him. This is what was also frustrating you about him, that his emotions wouldn't surface. But he's also telling you, hey, this is how I see myself. Unpredictable in nature, his emotions won't surface. He's had to suppress him for so long mm-hmm. or in it, or in his world move without emotions. Right. But for me to now more than a decade later, hear a 17 year old write that critically about themselves in the moment. It blows my mind. In fact, I have a part of the writing prepared. I want to share this really quickly. When I was looking for all of his writing with for his family, I sent this. In one of the essays I was writing, because I was really understanding Troy to a deeper level, check this excerpt out. One of the themes that surfaced in their writings, in their grief, was hopelessness related to losing peers to homicide. This was in 2014. Already in 2014, the homicide rate has more than doubled the murder rate in 2013. And over the course of my six years here in D.C. as an educator, I've lost more than four students of my own to gun violence. Perhaps this reality was best described by Troy in his piece reporting live from D.C., which is the intro to my 2013 album titled Surrender. In reporting live from D.C., Troy writes, get this. See, I live in a city of violence. When you go to sleep to gunshots and you wake up to sirens. I'm from where they kill for a jacket a few years ago. If you were to ask me where I see myself, I would have told you at a candlelight with a match lit. Not the type you like to get a sense, but the type you like to get a sense. It's times we slip when it's moments when we fall, we would have liked to get a grip. And when you sleep in the dock, all it takes is a light to get a grip. And it's essential that I build this potential so that I may share this light for others to get a glimpse. No longer could recognize that man in all mirrors. Is it death that brings us all terror? Or is it really not living is what we all scared of? The same when the only thing I can offer my peers is being a Paul Bird. I hope this constitution really secures my rights Cause where I walk even all state can ensure my life But I know in order to see change you have to be changed When you live through nightmares it's rare for you to see dreams Through life you have to focus on three things Who you used to be, who you are and who you want to be Slipping away from my present, running to my past With my future right in front of me It's misery in hell and misery loves company it's one thing I know for certain. Education is key. I just wanted to find my purpose. I must too valuable to be living my life worthless. The potential to be a scholar, but a robber behind a mask and closed curtains. Unpredictable in nature, his emotions won't surface. surface. He just understands that this world ain't perfect. Right? This is a 17-year-old writing about his reality. 
And I love that it lives where it lives. And I love that it lives and it stands truth. Because to know this about life and then to have to lose your life to gun violence. At least you weren't silent. You heard him speaking up as early as he could define his own voice. And what we what what I have seen happen is when they are no longer here to speak for themselves or there is no record of their voice on record. There are assumptions made about those who have to succumb to the circumstances which they live in. But I'm telling everybody that the 16 and 17 year old Troy saw it and wanted better for himself, for his people and wrote about it a number of times. This is not even the piece that's in the, the ethnography. This is not even the piece that's in the documentary. Right. So just think about his writing. So I say all that to say, he's very much on my heart today. Mm-hmm. His family is on my heart today. The fact that his mother knew to ask me for his poetry. The fact that his sister knew to ask me for his poetry. It was heartwarming to me, but also very chilling. Like, this isn't the way I want to turn his poetry in. I want to hear more. Right? He wanted to share more. He was capable of teaching this world so much, if just given more time. Mm. But I think he taught us plenty in the time that he had. He taught me. So while I may have been his dean and his creative writing teacher, Like I say in many of my episodes, my students were some of my earliest grief mentors. They taught me to go within. Mm -hmm. They taught me how those feelings can make your body not want to be still. So I felt a little less crazy when I couldn't sit still in the grief. Mm -hmm. Taught me so much, man. Mm Yeah. Troy is one of the brightest, one of the illest to ever do it. One of the illest to ever do it. What a voice, what a pen, what a person. When his mother called me to tell me the news, she spoke about his gentleness. Okay. And how, how loving he was to her. Mm. And that's the thing I remember. He never wanted to bring his mother any hurt, any shame, any extra responsibility. He knew that she was at work. And would prefer that you did not bother her at work. Like most students, right? But there are some who like, it don't matter where they are, right? I'm going to send everybody through this crisis that I'm experiencing as well. So I've also had students in my office who didn't care who was hurt. Didn't care how it inconvenienced parents. Didn't care how it inconvenienced any adult in their life. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to experience this crisis that I'm experiencing. Troy was different. Mm. He wanted nobody to experience what he was experiencing. Mm. He never transferred pain, never transferred problems, whatever it was. He would he would absorb the consequence, take the hit for the team. Like, you know, that's that type of person. (laughs) But an incredibly gifted writer who I'll be sharing more from. Yeah. You know, Troy, like so many others, deserve their life celebrated beyond the candlelight vigil, beyond the Instagram stories, beyond the emoji hands. Mm. Right. They deserve to be spoken about and spoken of and their names brought up. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I promise that I will sing about them. 
And I love that you have that relentless desire to continue to have that connection with these students. I very much remember being with Korea in DC. This is before we were even engaged. The time that he would spend with his students on the weekends. And I did not understand that at first. Like, bruh, you've been working with them all week. Why are you going and picking up these students that I know been cussing you out? Or, you know what I mean? Like giving you problems or, you know, whatever it was that was happening in the school that at that time I just did not understand. But as I got to know these students on the weekends, Kariga equipped me with a lens to see the beauty, like at that intersection for them. Like he, he described it perfectly when he talks about this beam of light. And he, Troy is not singular in that shine. Like there are so many beautiful, incredibly brilliant students that are at that very intersection that I'm sure are continue to be there. And what I love about listening to you talk about Troy is I always like going back to going down memory lane, especially in DC, because DC was just like the time of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's that early adulthood, girlfriend time. And also like my grad school Mm -hmm. education and what I'm learning in school and then seeing what's happening with you in your school. I got to corroborate everything that I was experiencing, right? I get Mm -hmm. to talk to you about it. I remember these essays. Like I think I even used an excerpt in one of my papers And these students were so amazing to allow you to be in their lives in this way. But what I want to name that is absolutely incredible is your willingness to learn from these students. Like you saw them as teachers, being able to just see them as that, right? Because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you're on the Metro and you're hearing like all the commotion and you're seeing like, there's a lot that can be misunderstood. Yeah. And you easily do not pay attention. Like you don't, you don't listen to these students, but you were able to see more of who they were. And in you doing so, you still have these relationships, but also you documented Troy's work. I don't know if there's any other place that you can find it, but I am so incredibly proud of you for documenting what you documented during that time and also doing that for your students. You have more than one of his poems mm-hmm. that is that is documented so mm-hmm. Karika continue to walk in that and talk about it and share it I'm so grateful that it's here and although you're having to share it in this way I'd rather you share it than have nothing to share at all that's for sure that's for sure that's for sure you know uh, experiences like this V thank you for one affirming me in that But experiences like this bring me back to a question I ask myself, or a statement rather. In my poetry years ago, I said, I hope the mark I leave on this world is greater than the scars it will leave on me. Like, I hope this isn't stress, right? I hope that this is uh, the beautiful becoming. Hope this is learning, but not stress. I think about it in relative to being a black man. You know what they said about Dr. King's heart, right? And the stress that it was living under Mm. after his autopsy. The losses that I've experienced aren't real. They they shouldn't be real. They're very real, but they shouldn't be. 
And when I have to take a day, take several days to work through these feelings like I do, which is why I make room for my wellness, which is why I make room for my cardio, which is why I make room to like process these feelings. I don't want them pinned up inside my body. Because aside from anything insightful I can say or share, the shit ain't just, it ain't supposed to be. Like that's, that's what I feel first. But since I can't change that, I learn from it. Mm. Right? Because I make peace with the, what the day has come to teach me. It wouldn't make no sense me resisting it. It's, it's final. But I just want to say on record that um, I don't enjoy having to learn this way. I just am grateful that I get to learn also instead of life just happening to me this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is my, this is my hope. This is my critical resistance, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that it's not just happening to me, but that I'm having some understanding, some learning, some growth from these things that are incredibly hard to process. And who am I? to issue a complaint when I watch my young people have to do this to classmates before they graduated high school. Right. So here we stand in the milieu of black life and it's brilliance, it's beauty and the candles and the lights that have been blown out on this side only to shine on us or shine ahead of us. So. Hmm. Troy, like Kareem, like Kamayu, and so many more. I just ask that y'all shine on ahead of me. Hmm. Now, I know we had this beautiful conversation about Troy, but I want to ask if you have an affirmation that you wanted to share with us. On behalf of him. Wow. I'm going to read from page 40 of your book. And I also want to take a moment to just laugh at these tears coming down my face. Right. Uh, just in case. I'm not going to laugh at your tears. Well, no, j- just in case somebody takes this out of context and <sighs> you know, get me for crying on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> then you also must document how valiantly I stand in it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you, if, if if it's my tears that brings your attention, don't miss the fact that I stood in it and I didn't run from it, mm. and I processed it, and I do so every day willingly. Page forty, from Felicia's text, a toolkit for mothers who are investigating grief's process, reads: A greater tragedy is to miss the opportunity to let grief grow me. I will be right here for as long as I need to be. Huh. And that's a word, huh? For my affirmation. Got me feeling. Got me feeling uh, <laughs> got me feeling grounded in the emotions I process. Yes. Uh, got me feeling strong in the emotions I process. Yes. Now for real, it, it's it's it always feels a little unique. Let me say this. To shed tears 
in a space that is being documented and can be seen or ever shared out of context. Right? I want to just fully lay this on the table, but this is who I am. Uh, This is part of my power. This is part of me being alive. I've been in the delivery room without hearing a baby cry. I've also been in the delivery room and hear a baby cry. And I tell you what, everybody in that delivery room is waiting for that baby to cry as a sign that that baby's okay. So from my family to yours, may we all love more abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. You dig. Thank you to our executive producers, Cody and Tommy Oliver. Yeah. Thank you to our producer, Crystal Hill. Mm-hmm. And you, the listeners. Be sure to share this episode, rate it, give us feedback, give us five stars if we earned it. Tell somebody about the light that is Soul Affirmations. Yeah, man. Review that, Joe, man. Massive love. Peace. Peace. Maybe we all just want to understand it. Feel what you don't, so what are you demanding? So many scars, so internally damaged. But if you give me your hand, it's a plan we can manage. It's a choice, it's a choice.